Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we won't even be able to clear our TBRs reading at the speed of light. I'm Jeanette. I'm Susan. And I'm Meredith. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. How are you doing this month? Good. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about how Susan is out in Colorado, but I know <laughs> I am ready for spring to actually stay and not just show up for a day. Uh, but it was nice because it showed up on friday and i was able to go down to the tidal basin and see the cherry blossoms so that was really nice that's so pretty Uh, one day i'll get to see that i think what the last time i went there i just missed it i think oh no it's so hard to plan like for out-of-towners because you just you don't know right you know they'll tell you oh this is going to be the peak time and then it's not yeah (laughs) well and this year peak time really fluctuated because like meredith said we haven't really gotten more than a day or two of spring in a row Mm -hmm. so they were like it's going to be earlier it's going to be later Mm, it's going to be right on time Exactly. (laughs) For a while, they're like, this is going to be the earliest blossoms we've ever had because we had some warm days in February. And then they're like, just kidding. It's going to (laughs) snow. But that's really going to push the peak bloom back a couple of weeks. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, you think? (laughs) Yeah. It's been funny. Oh, my goodness. It did coincide with the Cherry Blossom Festival, which made it nice. Yeah, that is nice when that happens. That is nice. Yeah. But anyway... (laughs) Um, yeah, no, Colorado Springs are famous for fluctuating weathers. Uh, <laughs> it's like winter and spring are just having an all out like slug fest. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, last two weeks, two weeks ago, it snowed like three times in the week, um, like at least six inches of snow to those times. But then it will all literally melt the next day because it's so sunny and beautiful in the 50s. Um, wow. Yeah. So, which is like, I hate being cold. I hate the cold. Like, I'm the one bundled <laughs> up in four layers and two blankets and, you know, a hot coffee or tea. Like, <laughs> So, um, but it's bearable because, like, the snow melts so quickly here because it gets so sunny after a storm. Um, that it's like, can you really complain? <laughs> oh, that is nice. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't like the snow, at least it doesn't last long. Yeah, exactly. And our house is south facing, so literally all the snow melts <laughs> within <laughs> well, a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, but other than the weather, everything else has been going well for us. Um, I celebrated my husband's birthday. Uh, two days ago, and uh, we went to a place called Board Gate Republic, which was a restaurant bar that had like a whole wall of board games that you can play if you, as long as you pay a cover. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So we had a we had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, how have, you, how have you been, Jeanette? Pretty great this weekend, actually. It has been our anniversary weekend. And so what we did was we didn't know what we were going to do. So we cleared, just cleared off our weekend and said, you know, we're not making any plans, any plans that we did have, we were going to move. And then we just kind of did what the mood struck us. Mm -hmm. So we had like a bunch of lazy time actually on Friday night. And then yesterday we went down to see the cherry blossoms and the cherry blossoms were still really pretty. But we didn't get the pretty spring weather that Meredith did. We got the cold winter wind. Oh, <laughs> and, no. Uh, but it was really nice. So we walked around and 
Catherine got to see the cherry blossoms and she was really excited because there were so many people and people had dogs and stuff like that. So she's pointing and she's going, woof, woof. Um, yeah, it was really cute. And we saw um, the Jefferson Memorial because um, my husband's never been there. Hmm. So it's really he, pretty with all the blossoms around. And it, it really is. And so he and Catherine got to meet Mr. Jefferson together for the first time. Aww. So, That's yeah. Very sweet. Yeah, so it's nice. I don't know what we're doing today, but hopefully we'll do something nice today, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of go with the flow. Nice. That's nice when you can do that. Yeah. Not yeah, have, like, please. everything super planned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I am a planner, it is nice to just have open time, too. Yes, I'm the I don't same usually way. do well with open time, <laughs> so this has been really fun. for <laughs> <laughs> you, Jeanette. <laughs> so, what have we all been reading? Um... Well, I started the next Eclectic Readers book, The Last Black Unicorn. Um, It looks like it's going to be a pretty easy read, which is actually kind of refreshing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a little bit after after this one. Yep, yep. Um, And I started uh, listening to Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Um, Nice. Yeah, it's the book I picked for my local book club. So um, I'm listening to that one, and I just love it so much. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually just finished it a couple weeks ago on audio. Nice. So I would definitely recommend the audiobook, and I know Susan will attest to this as well. Um, <laughs> it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be like hard to imagine that Trevor Noah would be good at narrating since he talks a lot on TV and right? he has a great voice. Um, so it was really good, and it's isn't it interesting to kind of get some more background on the whole like South African apartheid and like you know because I feel like we didn't really I didn't really learn much about that growing up so that was definitely interesting to hear about Mm -hmm. um and I also finished up another audiobook recently that was a lot of fun uh I read Wishful Drinking by Carrie Fisher so uh it was interesting it was my first book of hers and it was super short I was actually kind of disappointed how short it was (laughs) I've heard I good wanted things more. about that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it goes a little bit into her life growing up and her family situation, but it's mostly about her um, her battles with drugs and alcohol and her battles with mental illness. But also, you know, like it's Carrie Fisher, so she still kind of makes it fun and kooky. And uh, it was really good. I enjoyed the audio on that one. So I read that one and then I read Big Mushy Happy Lump by Sarah Anderson. Uh, she's, I'm sure you've seen her comics online. She's mm-hmm. very relatable, bookworm, introvert, uh, anxiety-ridden person. <laughs> uh, so I'm using those two actually for my ER Mad Libs challenge. Oh, nice. I thought they were pretty funny titles. So they should make for a <laughs> funny story. <laughs> uh, so I like, I just finished, bish- bleh, bleh. I just finished Big Mushy Happy Lump last night. So I'm not actually reading anything right now. But next up, I'm going to be starting The Bells by Danielle Clayton. And then after that, I'm hoping to get to Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, which I've heard great things about both of those. Same. Yeah. Looking forward to getting to those. I have to actually track down my copy of The Bells. Somebody's holding on to it for me. Have to find it. <laughs> if you have my copy of the bells, please return it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny that you're doing so much work for ER Medlibs 
Meredith because I am as well. So I just, um, I just, um, I think I'm going to put in The Sparrow, which we were talking about today, as one of my picks for Ear Mad Lives, but I just started working on What Ho Automaton, um, which is going to be my exclamation. And it's basically, um, it, it's like those uh, P.G. Woodhouse Jeeves books, hmm. but in, G, instead of Jeeves being, you know, a servant, he is an automaton. Um, disguised as a servant and he like is he's helping the main character who is not Bertie but um, Reggie he's helping Reggie get out of all the same kinds of scrapes so there's like this little like steampunk sci-fi aspect to all the stories Um, and they're still pretty funny and witty in the same style so I'm enjoying it it's kind of a fun light read sounds very quick yeah um, I had spring break recently, so basically my goal was to just read a lot. Um, yeah, I think you met that goal. It seems yeah. like you read so much. <laughs> I was quite impressed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I was calling it like my, um, my massathon because I was trying to get through the, um, remaining books of the Throne of Glass series. And I ended up getting through the third and fourth books, and I probably could have stuck the fifth book in there. But the fourth book, without spoilers, ends in such a satisfying way that I'm like, I, I can wait for a little bit. Oh, okay. because nice. yeah. yeah, there's three more books left in the series, and the third book that I still have to read is the last one, and it hasn't come out yet. It comes out in September, I think, or October. Yeah, One of the two. like that, yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, well, that means if I keep reading, and the fifth one doesn't end as, you know, pleasantly as this one does, then I'm going to be all stressed out and feel like I have to read the sixth one, and then I'm going to have to wait forever to find out how the whole series ends. Whereas right now, I'm in a good place. Like, I would, don't even need the rest of the books, maybe ever, but probably not right now. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's- <laughs> Yeah, she kind of made this, like, a resting place, which is nice. Um, So that was really cool. And then I just, so I finished up Spring Break with a bunch of, like, graphic novels. I did American Born Chinese, which I've been dying to get to. And that was really cool. Um, A good look at being, like, an Asian American and how that's really hard sometimes. And um, Gem and the Holograms was more light and fun. (laughs) Um, based on the cartoon but it takes place like in present day so oh okay yeah Yeah. and what they tried to do was combine what people loved about the cartoon into what people would love now and it's a good mixture like I have nostalgia goggles for um the gem and the holograms cartoon even though there's a lot of things about it that don't make sense. It's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, like, it's so crazy. My husband likes to sit down and watch it with me so we can, like, make fun of it together. Um, but, it, like I said, this is kind of a fun combination. So I enjoyed it. And then I read Sing I'm Buried Sing to wrap everything up. Nice. And not quite my style of book. But so, like, it covers so many interesting and important topics so i'm glad i read that one well that's cool yeah so you had a wide variety of things you were reading so that's fun 
Yeah, like I really, I mean, I was quite the eclectic reader, you might say. Uh, no, don't you love it? And that worked out. <laughs> I had oh. to, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It, it was right there. I, I almost did it myself, but yeah. I, I let you take it. I let you take it. <laughs> Just, just so you guys have a visual, I did like the hands on hips, like head cocked, <laughs> like you. <laughs> I see what you did there. <sighs> Funny. <laughs> so it sounds like Jeanette got a lot of books off of her TBR, but let's take a few minutes to actually talk about what is a TBR, just in case there's people out there, because we throw that acronym around all the time. Um, so in case you don't know what we're saying and you think we're just talking gibberish, TBR stands for to be read. And correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, but as far as I know, it started because of Goodreads, that acronym, because you have uh, like Goodreads is a website where you can track your reading and things like that. And they have virtual bookshelves where you can, you know, quote unquote, stack books. And one of the bookshelves that was pretty much like an automatic one that you had was a to-be-read bookshelf, which then turned into TBR. And now I was looking on it. Do you know it's not even called that anymore? No, it's not. Which is why I was like, is that where it came from? (laughs) That's not what it says anymore. I know, but because I was trying to research it because it changed. And I was like, but I'm pretty sure that was the origin of it. And I was looking in, in like Goodreads on, on other social media platforms still uses the term TBR, but they changed the shelf to be want to read. Yeah. Oh, mine so says, I'm oh. like WTF. And yeah. even before that, that, for a little while, it was like to read. Yeah, like, mine said to like, read. They, they took oh. out the B at one mm-hmm. point, too. So I was like, is that really where it came from? Because like, I don't remember the last time it said to be read, but I think you're right. It probably did come from... Yep. If not Goodreads, some website right. that tracks books. It was definitely after Goodreads that I've seen TBR. Yeah, so same. Definitely no, it's not just, before. Yeah, it's just funny that uh, we have this acronym that everyone uses now, and yet it's not even applicable, I think, to the platform <laughs> that it was from. Right. <laughs> huh, but anyway, I don't think we're going to be changing that anytime soon. We're still going to use TBR. Yep. So yeah, that's a lot harder to change than a button on a website. Yeah, come on. (laughs) So let's get into some nitty gritty about our TBRs. First off, how many books do you have on your TBR? Confession time. Yeah, I was going to say, we're in a safe space, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so for me, I'm actually pretty, I try to be really, really picky about what I put on my TBR because I just don't want try try really hard not to have it blow up so i'm at 241 (laughs) okay yeah that's that's uh, well maybe this says something about me i'm like that's reasonable (laughs) (laughs) uh because i just checked mine last night and i'm at 566 which is probably not as reasonable (laughs) (laughs) to be fair there's a lot of good books out there you know there are. That's the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling Jeanette's going to beat me, though. Yeah, is it Jeanette? I'm feeling a little called out by this question, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have, okay, 
officially the number is too higher than this on the list, but I started reading two books this week. So mm-hmm. it's 671. That okay. being that's, said, that's a number. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That being said, a lot of those is like when I finish reading a book, I'll immediately add the sequel so I don't forget to finish the series. Yeah, I get uh, that. Yeah. And so I've started a lot of series over the past few years. So probably like 20 of those are continuations of series. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and and to be fair, Jeanette, at least I I think I'm right in saying this that you read the most out of us. So I think it makes sense that yours is a little bit higher, just because you get through books faster. Yeah. Yeah, because people think I'm crazy, like I, but I really am very picky. I didn't used to be. It used to be like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to stick it on my TBR. But I'm very very picky about things I put on my TBR these days. It's like, yeah. am I actually going to want to read this? Do, or do I actually have a really good reason to read mm-hmm. this? Because sometimes it's something that I feel like I should read. Mm-hmm. Like it might be a teaching book or something. So I feel like I should read it, um, even though maybe the subject isn't my favorite or something like that. But, okay. Yeah. So yeah. then what I'm hearing then from both of you ladies is that your TBR actually kind of means something. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. you know, you are a little picky about putting things on. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds a little bit interesting. Bing! <laughs> put that on my TBR to never be seen again. <laughs> I really need to go back through my TBR. Do you guys ever like cull or clean up your TBRs? I used to actually. Um, the first few years that I was on Goodreads, I was like, okay, my TBR is not going to get out of control. I'm going to keep it to like 100. I'm going to be really good about this. And I used to like remove like a um, a bunch of books every once in a while, just kind of like um, weed out, as it were. Um, lately, not so much, but if I'm going through my TBR, I will look at some books and be like, oh, I'm not going to read that, and then I'll just remove it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't done it in a long time, but I really do need to do that. I think a lot of mine also come from like listening to different podcasts, especially Book Riot podcasts, yes. where they're just constantly <laughs> bombarding you with book recommendations Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh that sounds so interesting so while I'm listening to it I'm pulling up Goodreads on my phone and adding it but then I think I still need to go back later and be like am I really gonna read it yeah it's Uh, like shopping right like impulse buy versus like being thoughtful about your purchase (laughs) yeah but I'm also afraid I'm like well if I don't have it listed somewhere I'm going to forget the book even exists Mm -hmm. because there's just too many books to keep in my brain without some sort of (laughs) app or website to help me <laughs> exactly and that's why i used to just throw things in it because how am i going to track all these books there's a lot of them right a lot of books out there um but yeah I, what would happen was things like you know how we go through phases like in stories like th- there might be a lot of books about vampires or there might be a lot of retellings of fairy tales or whatever mm-hmm. and so what happens is they come out in like streaks and people will say mm, like yep. you'll hear on book riot or uh like npr this happened to me a couple times and you'll hear like if you if you liked this retelling you will like these 10 retellings and then i would just add them like indiscriminately to my uh tbr because i love retellings i'd be like yeah or yeah hey you know i liked that one vampire book let me add these other five and stuff like that um but now like i said i've been a little bit pickier because there's just, there's so much. I don't usually go through and clean out, and I probably should. Mm. But um, 
yeah, now I, but now I kind of hold off before I add. So I'll have to hear a book like three times and be, think three times. Yeah. I've heard of that one before. I think I'd like to read it. That's what happened to me with Sorcerer in the Crown actually, which we read a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I heard about that book three different times from like two different places before I said, you know what? I want to read that. I'm going to put it on my TBR. Okay. Well, that's, so. that's a good way to do it. So it's not quite as of an, it's not as much of an impulse, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It's, I've been a little bit better about it, but I still have to go through and kind of look and see like, are there things that I really am going to get to or things I really want to read? And that just having so many books on the TBR kind of makes that challenging. Mm. Yeah, it really does. So do you have a strategy to get books off of your TBR? To get them off? Yeah. Um, Like, how how do you decide what you're going to read? How are you going to chip away at that TBR number? uh, Usually it's a book club book. Uh, (laughs) Someone else (laughs) picks it. (laughs) And Um, don't you hate it when it's a book that wasn't on your TBR, and so then you have to add it, but then I guess it comes right off again. It does, but it's still like that one extra book that's on your TBR for, you know, a month. (laughs) Yeah, it snuck in there. It yeah. supposed to be there. <laughs> we have all these other books. Come on, people. Let's go. <laughs> um, or if I have t- I have uh, time to sneak in a personal book, I'll try to make sure it comes off a TBR before I decide to like read some other book I heard from a friend or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know for me, I... You know, I do some reading challenges. Right now I'm just doing the ER Mad Libs and then our kind of personal group of friends has a book bingo going on. So whenever those start, I'm like, all right, let me pull up this TBR and see whatever the heck I have on here that I do actually want to read that will work for these challenges. I and used so then to I do that. <laughs> Yeah. And so then at least I feel a little bit better of saying, Okay, well I can probably get at least, you know, thirty books off of my TBR this year and I will probably add 50 in its place (laughs) but you know now progress is progress right (laughs) Uh, I used to do that with challenges and stuff but I'm not doing that this year so right because you're doing more rereads other than what you have to read for book clubs exactly Mm -hmm. so you're getting things off your reread TBR I am it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) um I do the same thing, though. I you try and use it for challenges, which has been really, really helpful this year. And this year, I really dug back into some random ads that I had on my mm-hmm. um, that I had on my TBR, which is how I suddenly got a um, a book about an automaton, but in like PG Woodhouse style. Out to, um, but I also have been trying to do more like trying to go more by my mood because sometimes I find that's what starts a reading slump is I have to read this book for one book club and this book for another book club. And I feel like I have to read this book so I can get, you know, through my book challenge. Mm -hmm. And so. Right. So you don't get to just read what you want, right? Even though they might be books on your TBR. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you you, like you want to read a fantasy, but none of the books you're currently assigned to read are fantasy. Mm -hmm. And so I've left a space in my like monthly TBR. Like I set myself a list 
of books I'd like to get through every month. Um, and I try, I'm trying to leave a space for either something I feel like reading or reread or a continuation of a series that I wanted to, you know, work on finishing. And that's been helping a little bit this year. I've been getting through more books these past couple of months because I've kind of been going with my mood a little bit. So well, that's nice. That's, yeah. that's really good. And I know for me, I almost feel like, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this feeling, but I almost feel guilty or bad if I want to go and reread something because it's like, I have this daunting TBR that this book will not take away from because I've already read it. Right. Um, and so I think that's nice, Susan, that you're, yeah. you're kind of setting it aside this year to be like, look, I'm just going to read these books that I really like. Yep. That I know I like because I've yep. read them. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly why I wanted to do it because there are so many new books that are my, excuse me, on my TBR that I want, you know, that's like, oh, this is, sounds interesting. But that's like, I really, I really want to read like the BFG and Matilda and, you know. <laughs> oh, and, uh, speaking of which, sorry, that oh, just sorry? reminded me. I just got a box set of the Roll Doll paperbacks. <gasps> what? I'm coming to your house. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, I think it's all of them. I'm not sure. It was a, a box set of 15 uh, of his books from Costco for like $30. Oh, my goodness. And I was I'm like, going um, to Meredith's yes? house for a roll doll. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm like, uh, um, yeah, that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. For Although I recommend listening to Matilda on audiobook because Kate Winslet narrates and she does a fantastic job. <laughs> oh, that sounds really delightful. Yep, it was. <laughs> so, oh, oh, sorry, was, I didn't mean to cut uh, you no, off. I was just like, oh, roll doll. That, that was great news. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, that is exactly why I wanted to make this year just rereads. So, like, well. Yep. Your rereads inspired me. Like that's kind of how I came up with the idea of this year do it is saving space for a reread or mm. like continuing a series. Right. You know, because I was thinking about the conversations that we've had over the past couple months on the podcast. Because Meredith, you've mentioned series a few times, and Susan, you've mentioned rereads a few times, and I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just make space for this? Mm -hmm. So you guys inspired me. Oh well, we do Aww. what we can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is my kind of last question on the subject, because I'm wondering if I'm the only weird person who does this or not, um, just to make things even more complicated. Do you have different TBRs <laughs> on different platforms? So like for me, I have, you know, I, I have an account on Goodreads, I have an account on Litzy, and then um, I don't know if this is only in the United States or if other countries have this, but there's an app called um, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, which mm, is a newer yeah. version of the Overdrive app, which yep. uh, you can download ebooks and audiobooks from your library. And then you can also have pretty much like Goodreads. You, you can have shelves. They call them tags, but you can tag books on there. Yep. So do you guys have any kind of different type of TBRs on your different platforms? Uh. Well, I have the let's say TBR, but I actually that's like a more like oh that sounds cool I'll put it in my TBR, but I don't ever reference it. So the only mm -hmm. one I reference is Goodreads. Um, I feel like this is something I just need my books to be in one one place. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. so I don't lose track. Um, I I love Libby. I use Libby all the time, um, but I actually don't use it to to uh, tag books or anything like that. I just borrow okay. books. Yeah. 
So it's yeah, about I'm, the using that. I'm the same. Yeah, I don't. I only use Libby for actually looking up books or um, reading books because I'll use the Libby app for audiobooks. Um, but yeah, Litzy, I'll I'll stack books on Litzy on my TBR, but then I try to go at least every couple of months. In fact, I'm probably due around now because last time I did it was at the beginning of the year. But I go every couple of months and I transfer it to Goodreads so that everything's centrally located. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if I don't, then like the TBR really will be unending. And also, it gets um, it gets complicated because then I'll have it stacked as read on one at still to be read on the other. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure at the very least the stuff that I have read and haven't read lines up right. mostly between the two. Yeah. And and I think I need to do that too is to make sure that anything I've added onto Litzy does get transferred to Goodreads because I'm the same way where that is really like Goodreads I use to track my reading. It's not as much of a social platform as Litzy is. Mm-hmm. Um but hear me out. So <laughs> I have I, I have my main Goodreads TBR. But then Litzy, you can also add things to like a TBR type thing. But what I'm trying to do with Litzy is only stack things to read that I would want to receive as gifts. Because there's a lot of book okay. swaps that happen on Litzy. Yep. So I'm trying to keep things on there that I would want physical copies of that I want to read and they also have like pretty covers mm-hmm. because I am I am completely running out of space for books in my apartment. So I need to start <laughs> being uh, more discerning about books that I want in physical form. Right. So that's what I'm trying to do with Litzy is to just have books there because let's be honest, I have tons of books that I own that are still on my TBR. <laughs> you know, right. I probably have like 40 books sitting on my bookshelves that I haven't read but I own. So I don't want those on my Litzy TBR because I don't want to get a second copy of it in a book swap. Mm, right. But then on Libby, what I've been doing is I'll go through, especially specifically for audiobooks, books that I know I want to listen to via audio, like Agatha Christie. I really enjoy, for whatever reason, listening to Agatha Christie uh, mysteries via audio. So I've started just a Agatha Christie tag on my Libby of all the different audiobooks that I can get. But most of those are not actually on my Goodreads TBR. So <laughs> it's just, I'm just all over the place. It does but make maybe sense, it makes though. a little bit of sense. <laughs> it does. It does make sense. You have a system. Yes. So it's Whether okay. it works, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but it's are, my system. Are you getting books read? Because if you are, then it's working. Yep. I am. Yeah. And actually, I was also, one, one reason I was really happy about our main read this uh, this month was it was already on my TBR. <laughs> it was I've on yours so too, right, Jeanette? <laughs> yes. In fact, it was not only on my TBR, but so, you know, referring back to a previous uh, discussion we had, um, I've had to limit my, my book bub buying and stuff like that because, you know, so many things sounded interesting when I was going through those book book bub newsletters mm-hmm. so and you know so many books available for two dollars or one dollar or free or whatever so I started limiting what I purchased to things that were already on my TBR nice and one day um the sparrow was available for like two bucks and I was like that's on my TBR so I not only had it 
on my TBR already, but I had it on my Kindle ready to go. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we've been on a good streak that where a lot of the books we've read recently have already been on my TBR. So thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> We're breaking it this for Ooh. next month. But yeah, that's, that's okay. True. Yeah. It's okay. Yep. You know, all good things. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, I I just heard that in Olaf's voice. <laughs> all good things, all good things. <laughs> so I've, I've watched a lot. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, you've probably seen that many times. Yeah. So that's why it was like a pause because it was just running through my head. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's so funny. I wasn't even going for that, but... <laughs> If it makes you happy. Okay. All right, let's go back at the main read at hand here. The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Uh, Let me give you a quick summary here. In 2019, humanity finally finds proof of extraterrestrial life when a listening post in Puerto Rico picks up exquisite singing from a planet that will come to be known as Rakat. While United Nations diplomats endlessly debate a possible first contact mission, the Society of Jesus quietly organizes an eight-person scientific expedition of its own. What the Jesuits find is a world so beyond comprehension that it will lead them to question what it means to be human. Um, And this is a short summary from Goodreads, so thank you. Um, So, what was one thing that stood out to you in this book? Oh, man, there's just so many things. But um, I really... I felt like I really did connect with a lot of the characters in this book. Um, And the story was really intriguing, very thought provoking, but I don't know if it was just me, but I could really only read it in small chunks. I just felt like I wasn't making a lot of progress uh, and it took a while to finish, even though I was, I I found it interesting. Yeah. How about you? I I also could only read it in small chunks, but that's because it was very anxiety provoking. I mean, it's also very thought provoking. Um, but so like Meredith said, the characters are just great. In fact, I kept saying that um, the character of Anne is somebody I want to be when I grow up in the ter- way she's so accepting and loving of people. And mm-hmm. people are just like, Hey, we can show up at your house anytime and you'll, we can just hang with you. And she's like, yes, come by anytime and hang. And she made everybody kind of feel part of her family. I'm like, see, that's the person I want to be when I grow up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because I liked the character so much, and you know right from the get-go that Emilio is the only person who comes back from Rakat. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I found myself super, super anxious the more I read the book because I knew that something was going to happen and they would not be able to come back, whether, you know, they would break off from the mission or they would actually die. Something was going to have to happen to them because otherwise they would have come back. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I found myself very, very anxious because I didn't want to see anything happen to these characters. I really cared about. So I actually read it very slowly as well. And at one point I was like, you know what? I can't read this before I go to bed anymore because I just can't sleep. I'm too yeah. anxious. Yeah. yeah. 
Because that's the thing. You're like waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time, right? Exactly. <laughs> or at least once they get to the pl- the uh, rock cut. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I mean, even before then, because, you know, you don't know if somebody was, you know, killed on the way there. Well, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they left Earth, I was like, oh, no. What's going to happen now? <laughs> I really like these characters and I don't want them to die. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. I feel exactly the same way that you guys feel. And I think that's why this book also felt slower is because of the anxiety, you know, the anticipation. It's like you want to know more about them and how this all happened. But it's like, let's get to the meat. Like, how did everything happen? You know, so the journey feels longer and slower um, for that. So but I completely agree with the both of you. Um, I my favorite character in the book is definitely Anne. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. I, I I thought the same thing. I'm like, when I grow up, that's who, that's who I want to be. That's who I wish I. That's who I wish I was now, and that's who I want to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do and, and find marriage, ways to like yeah, get like, to there. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome, and her marriage to George was like yes. goals. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yep. So I am right there with you guys. Um, so let's get to kind of like the, um, kind of the overall theme of, of the book. Um, some characterize it as a parable about faith, the search for God and others, as well as out there. Um, so what do you think the role was of faith, love and God in the plot of the story? Well, I mean... I think that's the whole point of the story, right? I mean, there there is a lot of plot going on. You know, there are definitely things happening, but it all goes back to Emilio and how, you know, like you, you're following him through a lot of his life and through all of these trials and tribulations. And when we get back, because, you know, you go back and forth in time a lot, but when you're in the present time, you're really seeing Emilio in a crisis of faith. And his struggle to understand or to rationalize what happened on Rakat, why these things happened. Mm -hmm. Is it part of a bigger plan? Is it completely random? Uh, It was was pretty deep. Yeah. How about you, Jeanette? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It is deep and it was very thought-provoking. Like, I, I didn't maybe find it as slow a read because... I would have needed time to process a lot of these thoughts anyways, but it's the characters, you know, they love both God and each other Mm -hmm. and they feel like a family, but they also feel like they're serving God and they're trying to live that, that love and they're living their faith, but they're being confronted with the idea that sometimes, you know, you can be really trying to do the right thing, really trying to do what you feel is your purpose And it can be hard or bad things can happen. And it can be just kind of incomprehensible why things are not working out or why bad things are happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that like, that's a struggle that I think, you know, is pretty universal is why, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is something that actually I really enjoyed having to sit there and think about and think about how I deal with those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting that the party going to Rakat was not just priests, right? Yep. You know, you have um, a, a woman from a Jewish background, and then you have some, I guess, maybe agnostic, I would say, was about half of the party. I, th- I um, thought they said they were, at least Anne, and Anne was atheist? One of them was atheist, weren't they? Weren't they? Uh, George is George? George is atheist or agnostic. Okay, he yeah. actually says that. Yeah. Um, Anne is a, a like like a lapsed Catholic or yeah. kind of thing. Like she, right. she I think she's agnostic, so maybe George yeah, is atheist. Yeah, because she mm-hmm. kind of in one conversation she's kind of like you know I'm cool with you know Catholicism. I'm cool with God except for right. Like, and they have that one conversation, and she does go to church a few times mm-hmm. throughout the book. So I think yeah. she's kind of like, you know, struggling she's, with her uh, Yeah, she's, she's searching, right? She's, yeah. she's kind of there questioning. And I think I know the, the conversation you're, you're thinking about, Jeanette, and I really liked it when she's kind yes. of having this deep conversation with Emilio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, you know, I get angry at God, you know, because, um, well, it had been a little bit of time since the first death had happened, but it was completely random. Like yeah, no one right. could figure out why he died, yep. you know, and as the doctor wants to know what happened and she can't figure it out. And she's like, well, so why is it when good things happen, everyone like praises God, but when bad things happen, it's not his fault. And yeah. I really liked when Emilio was like, well, if that's the only thing holding you back from really believing in God, like you can get angry at him for the bad things too. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I re- like that's it's a great conversation and I actually like laughed aloud when I was reading that and I was like this is really great. Um but you know, it's it was such an interesting conversation. It is a good like it's is a good thought is like you know why do we do that and why is it not okay why do some people feel like it's not okay I guess I should say because you know Emilio clearly thought it was fine mm-hmm. why do some people feel like it's not okay to you know be angry right because these things are happening yeah mm-hmm. so yeah and that you know is. It's another moment where I really like those two characters. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's just say in this bubble right here, everybody is, like, good and together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, faith, love, God, that's, the, the, that's, the, that's like, those are, like, the basic premise of the book and pretty much everything revolves around those themes um and i feel like the author did such a fantastic job addressing them um Mm -hmm. in different ways like i i I really appreciate it and i loved it (laughs) um so well with faith um the story starts with the radio broadcast of beautiful singers from a far-off place uh we've heard We've heard of space noise, but if we heard what they heard in this book, would we go? Do you think we'd pick a team like they did? Because um, basically, they just took the plunge, you know? Yeah. It's, it was all faith. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how realistic that was. For them to be like, all right, 
Jesuits in space. Let's go. Um, and we'll bring along these other random people that just happen to fit what we need. <laughs> um, so I don't know if a team would necessarily get picked like that, but I think there would be a lot of conversations going around in a lot of countries of the world figuring out what the next steps would be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more likely, you know, definitely there's going to be a lot of agencies and countries trying to plan something. And I think the most likely um, thing that would end up happening would be, you know, a few countries would get together and kind of put together a joint expedition. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't like shock me that, you know, the Catholic church is like, well, we're going to do all of this without anybody's, you know, permission, interference or whatever. Um, We're just going to do our own thing. (laughs) That doesn't shock me at all. What I more thought is, any country, any agency that's going to want to send an expedition, like if it had been the U.S. that had done it, they would have wanted to send mostly or all U.S. astronauts and scientists. Sure. Or if it had been yeah. like, you know, whatever country, whatever church, whatever organization, they would have wanted to send just their people. So what I thought was the most unrealistic thing is that, you know, it's not that the Catholic Church is like, we're going to send some Jesuits out into space. It's that it wasn't all Jesuits. <laughs> it was like half Jesuits and half, you know, Emilio's best friends. Yeah. Right. And they were like different ethnicities and had different cultures and backgrounds. <laughs> Again, not surprised, you know, because if you're talking about like a faith-based organization, faiths mm-hmm. are global. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not against the surprising part. It's just more like, yeah. You you picked three priests and then you let this priest take his best friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Sure. I mean, you know, they're cool though. Like, <laughs> they're total right. experts. They can the handle right space. Nobody else does. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, you got to wonder kind of what the balance would be between wanting to really analyze the risk of going to another planet and kind of starting this first contact because there are some inherent risks with that. We have no sure. idea what this other sentient species is like Mm -hmm. whether if they find out about us it's just like all-out war what their technology is like but at the same time it might also kind of turn into like the whole space race 2.0 right Right. where everyone's like we want to be the first country to make contact and so we're just gonna like just like it was for the moon we're gonna be the first ones to go to the moon and so then like nasa's going crazy trying to get everything ready as fast as they can i don't know what the balance would be between that you know That'd be really hard because if you try to make it global, a global thing for everybody to everybody to come together, um, it would definitely take way longer. Um, people are usually impatient and very very prideful, so I would think the latter would happen more than the the, the world coming together. You know, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you gotta wonder, like. Did the Catholic Church get in trouble? I don't know. I just feel like once people found out, they'd be like, ooh, you're in trouble. You You went behind everyone's back. They vaguely mentioned something like that. Like the the Japanese company, like the the head CEO or something, realized what was happening. He was not happy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, I would not be happy too. (laughs) Um, But I feel like this section when like Emilio is like convincing the others to join the team to go into space. I'm like, this is all faith. Because they even talk about like everything seemed to fall into place. Like everything seemed to work out to their favor. uh, Turtles on a fence post or something. Yeah, the turtles on the fence post. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's for you though, that's that's faith right there. Just you know, doing what you, going through the proper proper channels, but like everything falling into place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so in regards to the the format of the story, um, it the story is told by interweaving two time periods after the mission to Rakat and before. Did you think it made the story more interesting and easier to follow, or was it more difficult? Um, I mean, I think mm-hmm. we've read plenty of books that, you know, jumped timelines. Sure. Mm-hmm. So do you think this one did a better job of it, or is it the same? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's always a little bit jarring, right? Especially if you're at a really good part in whatever timeline you're following, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, now I have to go back, but I want to just keep finding out what's going to happen. Or, you know, I, I want more background on what's happening. Um, so there's, I think there's always going to be a little bit of that, but I think it was also really needed for the story to have this background, to really get to know the characters, to, to love them like Emilio loved them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it worked. Definitely. Um, I think it, it got you invested. Um, if we had just been thrown in with it either happening like in real time while we were reading or just getting it from Amelia's perspective when he's back, I don't think it would have had the same effect if we didn't have all of the before timeline stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I I liked it. I felt like it really was effective. It helped me with that anxiety piece because every time I was like, oh, my anxiety starting to rise. I feel like something bad's about to happen. They switch to the other part or like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my anxiety starting to rise because Emilio is dealing, you know, having a really hard time dealing with all of this stuff and it's hard to watch. Right. Okay. We'd switch back to the other part. Um, so yeah, even though it was a bit of a jump or jarring sometimes, I really liked it. Um, and looking back, it helps with the impact of what happens to these characters because, of course, now having read the book, we know that they they do die. Mm-hmm. And the way the jump back and forth actually makes the deaths hits in a different order is what I realized later. Because the least impactful is like the first one, mm, right. which is also the most random and the most like hey, that came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And then even though other characters die before Mark does, his death is actually introduced first. And the reason Mm. for it is introduced first. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So you're actually getting this in kind of an ascending order of how hard, like, how hard it is to prepare. Mm -hmm. So you're preparing for deaths that are going to mean you know, less anxiety, less tears first. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you get hit with the other ones. Yeah. But did you, did you feel like you were kind of in shock with some of the deaths <laughs> though? Because they just happen so quickly. Yes. And I mean, I know like we're getting told them as they've already happened. We're not there in real time when it's happening, but it was just like, oh my gosh, like what? Ah, everyone just died within like a period of two days. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and the, you know what? Like I said, I was so anxious. I thought I was going to cry so bad when all of this stuff happened. But when it happens, it happens so quickly and so like one after the other. And I'm I was so like emotionally exhausted already. 
I didn't end up crying. I didn't end up being like, no. Yeah, that's I interesting. Just, oh. Because I, I was the same way. I thought, especially with, with Anne, like I was going to bawl my eyes out, but it was just so shocking, you know? Yeah. Um, and Anne's especially, like, I, I was so not devastated. <laughs> I was not. Yeah, and then no. when she did go, it was so unexpected. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, that happened. What? I was like, and yeah. <laughs> going. And uh, um, with, um, with Emilio, not, you know, obviously he didn't die, but like during his confession, like it was so profound and so powerful. Um, but it was so shocking at the same time, um, the way it was done that I didn't cry then either. Um, the only time I really started to tear up was when Emilia was alone with John after his big confession and he's talking to John about Ascama. Mm. and right. that that part when and then like john is like giving him like the forgiveness and stuff that's when i started to tear up like it's like oh my god <laughs> my heart i i'm it just i don't know what why that those two things happen like right one right after the other but for some reason it was that uh moment with john that everything hit and the emotions started to come through for me mm-hmm. yeah well, I liked a lot of his interactions with John for yes. that reason. Mm-hmm. Is they were really good moments of both. I I don't know if peace is the right word, but they were like peaceful moments and they were quiet moments mm-hmm. where Emilio could let things out. Yep. So he was letting out all this terrible stuff, all this trauma that had happened to him, but. It was quiet. It didn't feel like a trial the way some of the other scenes felt with everybody watching him and interrupting him and judging him. And yep. those moments with John were just really, really nice. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, they were, I think the word that came to my mind when you were describing was tranquil. Um, yeah. Especially because, you know, he was just doing laundry, you know, like just the calm thing. They were, they were walking on the beach. Um I, I, that was nice to mm-hmm. to experience and for I, us I as really, well. Yeah, I really liked Edward too. He was like just a kind soul. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> what I really liked about these um, people too, and I, you know, it's something that we touched on a little bit at um, our IRL meeting is, you know, because they're all priests. So like, you're like, oh, priests having conversations. Well, that's going to be like quiet and, you know, maybe tranquil or peaceful or whatever, but it's mm-hmm. going to be like quiet and you know, kind of know how it's going to go. And a lot of these conversations end up with like, you know, Emilio and Anne laughing really loudly in the middle of night because he's telling her, yeah, just be angry (laughs) at God. Or, you know, people being like, oh yeah, so, you know, let's talk about Mark. Oh, Mark? If Mark were in a priest, he'd be like a total womanizer. Wait, what? (laughs) Or like, well, there's DW. I was married. (laughs) Yeah. Like he was like the loud Texan, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's something that the book did a really good job of. Is it made these Jesuit priests people? Yep. You know, um, they had pasts. They had, you know, their own stories. They they like to quote the Princess Bride. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't like to quote the Princess Bride? Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> If they didn't, they would just be inconceivable, right? (laughs) Sorry. I see what you did there. Yeah. (laughs) 
so yeah, I think it was really interesting to kind of get that that side of things, you know. Yeah. Just yeah, pastors, priests, all of them are people too. Just like teachers are people, right? Exactly. <laughs> if you ever, I'm sure if you ever run into kids outside, I know it was always weird, like running into your teacher at a restaurant or something. You're like, you're a real person. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I try not to teach in the same neighborhood I live in because yeah. it really is confusing for kids sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like disjointing. Not gonna lie, for the teacher as well. I'll turn around, I. I'll be at Target, you know, trying to pick something out for, you know, my daughter. And I'll turn around. And I'll be like, oh, oh, you. I know you. <laughs> You're seeing somebody out of context. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a. Uh... But yes, we are people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, with this book, that. with, you know, the characters being people is I think it was a good way to have those people in your mind all the time. Like you, it's, it would be harder to forget about them if the story went in order, in chronological order. Um, so going back and forth, you just—it's kind of hard to forget anybody. I found. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I liked the. I think it was really well done for this book. I liked it a lot. Um, so let's let's get a little nerdy here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, was I excited? We're going to do a little little nerdy sub segment here. Um, <laughs> the whole thing isn't nerdy, but <laughs> nerdier. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about Star Trek a little bit. Um, so in Star Trek, there's something called the Prime Directive, which means it mandates the avoidance of interferences in alien cultures at all costs. Um, they don't really do that in this book. Um, would the Prime Directive had changed the outcomes of events on Rockot if they applied that in the Sparrow? So I was thinking about this the entire time that I was reading because I grew up as a Trekkie. I grew up watching The Next Generation with my dad. And lately, my husband and I, we've gone back over the past couple of years and watched like every single Star Trek. We're like, we're in the middle of Enterprise right now. And so the Prime Directive is like almost, it's almost like a, like foundation in my head. Like, of course, everybody's going to follow the Prime Directive, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. and no, if you're not in the Star Trek universe, you don't follow it. Right. And so I thought about that a lot when they were on the planet and the things they were doing. And wait, isn't, couldn't that, you know, change the culture? Or couldn't that interfere with the way life is developing? Like they immediately start um, by trying new foods. And one of the things they do is they try to eat different animals. I'm like, but you don't know anything about these animals. Like you don't know if, you know, killing one of these animals to eat it mm-hmm. could disrupt the entire ecosystem because you don't know anything. Yeah. And so I thought about it so much and then, when they get to, um, they get to the the little village, and they start looking around in people's houses and interacting and saying hello. I was like, you got to think about how you do this, guys. Like, prime directive. And when it came down to it, because of the fact that they ended up stranded on the planet, and they basically all they knew was that they were probably going to be there forever. And they were going to have to find a way to make a life for the rest of, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of their days on this planet. And that is the reason why everything starts, right? 
is because they decide, well, if we're going to live here, we should grow food that we like. Right. And that's what changes everything. And that being said, I don't know if the Prime Directive would have ended up helping. I think in some ways it might have. But before they implemented anything, they did get stranded. They did ask for permission. Mm -hmm. And so the one change that really um, caused all the trauma and tragedy is something that was, it was almost, I don't want to say it was allowed, but it was allowed because they asked. They didn't just do it and intentionally change a a society. They just said like, hey, do we have permission to make our lives here a little bit more comfortable since, you know, we live here now? Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think what it is is like, I think... In the Star Trek universe, it, they were a lot more strict about it. Um, sure. In the Sparrow, they were really mindful and they asked and, you know, like, can we please make a garden so that we can grow food for us? That's, you know, what we're used to. And um, I don't think they saw much harm in teaching them how to garden um, because they weren't able to see all of this, their society in that world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was so much they didn't know, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's what really got them in the end. Uh, with the prime directive, they'd be like, I'm sorry, we can't teach you how to garden. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. I can totally see them saying that. Um, and then it wouldn't have been as big of a deal once the um, other species, it's just the J. Uh, I can't pronounce it at the moment. <laughs> but yeah. um, Supari, that's the species he is. Um, comes along and, and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, not, nothing bad. They're, they're only doing it for themselves. They're not teaching our our livestock, right? To, to <laughs> I mean, pretty themselves. much, right? Um, so, there was yeah. just so much that they didn't know going into it. And, there, and there's a lot of misunderstanding, right? Because I think they say yes. Supari... When they asked him, he his understanding of it was it was just like gardens, like to look at and be pretty, and didn't right. really understand that they were making food and mm-hmm. and yeah, like it seems innocent enough, right? And then suddenly you're like, wow, we just changed the entire like social structure of the world, right? With a right. garden, you know? and the other part about that is that you know. The other, the near, like, they weren't going around teaching all the other towns in the area to garden as well. The other towns saw their gardens and decided to go back and try it themselves. Right. So there's a good chance that even if they had said, no, we're not going to teach you how to garden, um, they would have seen them gardening and eventually gotten the hang of it and tried it themselves anyways. Right. right. Yep. So it's really hard to know. And, I mean, you're right, Susan. In Star Trek, they're way more strict about it, and they probably would have, you know, at least waited until seeing the rest of the planet, or at least a city versus the village, right? Before trying to implement changes. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have, given the the misunderstandings they were having communication wise as to the purpose of the differences in Runa society, and I'm going to try saying it, Janata society. Mm-hmm. I think that um, eventually something, the gardening, the garden probably would have existed at some point eventually, and it would have led to some kind of 
conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. Even. I mean. Yep. So, yeah. But this is why the Prime Directive exists. Yes, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I just want to talk a little bit about kind of the um, big point, uh, big storyline of the book is Emilio's faith. Um, This is kind of why the story exists in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely tested on Rockot. There was a reviewer who suggested that his... In his utter humiliation and in the annihilation of his spirit, Sandoz is reborn in faith. Um, do you agree with this? Uh, I think... I don't know if he's completely reborn yet. Right. I think he might still be kind of going through the fire right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he wants to understand. He wants... I don't know, like, he's angry at God, but I think he's also still wanting to turn towards God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really hard, right? Yeah. Well, because another one of the things, a big reason is he, you know, he feels responsible for taking everybody to Rakat. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, his yeah. big question is, like, was God really telling me? to go to space. Even others were like, did he really think God was telling him to go into space? You know? Um, or was it just his hubris, his um, pride, you know, telling him that God told you to go? And that's, you know, something really hard. Like, how would you really know? He would have to believe that, you know, I have to believe even with the terrible things that have happened and the trauma that God wanted me to do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that's that's a really hard pill to sw- try to swallow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think he uh, by the end of the book, he's on the step to healing. Um, I don't I don't know if he would be reborn in faith, though. You know, I feel like you'd have to kind of find some healing in yourself before. I don't know. It's hard. Any thoughts, Jeanette? Um, I do think he's possibly on the road to being reborn in faith. I don't think he's completely reborn mm-hmm. at the end of the book. I mean, one I mean, one thing that we have to think about is the fact that he does feel guilty. He does feel like he was responsible. And he's also gone through so much. And because it doesn't, you know, it happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people die and then people die and then people die. And then horrible things happen to him for a lengthy period of time and he's never given time to process that or deal with it right. until now which if you think about like travel time between Rakat and Earth and the time he had to heal physically mm-hmm. before he was even able to talk about it i mean it's been years right. of not confronting this trauma so i think it's going to take time i think now that he's dealt with it he can look at, I think, well, I think he feels he can look at his faith mm-hmm. now. Um, but I don't think he's completely there. Right. Um, you know, and that's, I think that's hard um, to know 
you know, is it really my fault? Was I doing the right thing? Did I just think I was doing the right thing? Because you will never know. And I mean, there is a sequel to this book. So maybe we actually find out if uh, something good does come out of all of this. Yes. Right. Yes. Or some meaning comes out of all of this tragedy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the immediate aftermath, when you're going through so much, ha- you know, it's impossible to know. Yep. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Because we're, we're only seeing what's right in front of us at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah, is there some bigger, yeah, like you said, like some bigger meaning, like is something going to happen now on Rock Hot that wouldn't have happened if, if they hadn't gone and done what they did or, you know, there's just, you just don't know. And I guess right. that's, that's where faith comes in. Right. True. And, you know, um, Tara, I think was the one who said it the other night, she was saying like, um, if you want to take this to his faith and, you know, the view of God, like God does not, you know, God's not a person. So God doesn't do things the way people do. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't see things the way people do. So you can't say, oh, yeah, this was all in God's plan or it wasn't from your perspective as a person just, you know, who just lived in a terrible trauma because you obviously can't see from God's perspective. God's <laughs> God. <laughs> so, you know, how does he make this, you know, how does he make this gel with his faith? Right. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that. Yeah, it's it's really hard. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's one one last question. Um, the title, I thought it was interesting, especially when you find out where the title came from. Um, it's based on a Bible verse, and you know, as with a lot of the Bible, there's a lot of interpretations. <laughs> um, and the verse is from Matthew ten twenty nine. Um, and I'm not sure which version the book used, but it says, not one sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And um, in the New International Version, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. Um, those are two very different interpretations. <laughs> um, yes, quite different. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, I looked... Yeah, I looked in a, the other night I looked in um, my Bible, which is another version, Mm -hmm. and I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but um, it was very similar, except it was instead of without your father knowing it, apart from the will, it said, Mm -hmm. not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's consent, I believe was the, Mm, yeah, I remember consent being the key word. Yeah, consent was definitely there. And I think it's without your father's consent. So it's three very different connotations. Right. Uh, Um, Do you think those all three of them still work as a title for being the sparrow? I think it can depending on your, I don't know, like your, or your idea of what free will is, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. There's always like that uh, that discussion of like fate versus free will and how much like if 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 we have free will how much does God work in our lives like specifically to push us one way or the other or mm-hmm. and so I feel like 
the one that they used in the book, it's just like, yeah, your your father sees what's happening, but he's not necessarily the reason that it happened. Right. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Um, he, yeah. he sees what you're doing, but he's uh, he he's like the super tough. Apparently, he's not gonna like intervene <laughs> right away, you know. Or if he's gonna <laughs> right. intervene, it's like in a super subtle way. Um, so yeah, it totally makes sense with that interpretation. Um, the other one, the uh, one you said, Jeanette, the one without your father's consent, like that one seems like a more stricter interpretation um, of of uh, fate. You know, like he meant. Yeah, for I this think it could. Um, there's just so many different interpretations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, when I um, saw the verse, I was like, oh man, that's that's a really deep. There's deep meaning to this title. <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it felt like very appropriate, um, especially if you're putting Emilio as the sparrow, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, do you think Emilio is the sparrow or do you think it applies to any one of the travelers? I felt like the mission was the sparrow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why all the different interpretations work so well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, whether the mission was, you know, Emilio's idea and Emilio trying to, you know, do something, you know, then you have like, okay, he's trying to do something and his father is more consenting to it. Like, okay, I want to do this. And, Mm -hmm. God says, okay, go ahead. Or um, God says, all right, you know, that's not against my will, so go for it. Right. Um, or it's just, you know, he's doing it and, okay, I know that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more the mission itself, not just Emilio. Nice. How about you, mm-hmm. Meredith? Yeah, that's, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. That's, that's a really interesting idea, Jeanette. I, I like that idea. Me too. Um, but I also think, I mean, in theory, we're all sparrows, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Good answers, yeah. guys. Good answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, final thoughts. Did you like it? Is this a recommendable book? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I definitely liked it. Uh, it wasn't like an easy breezy read. Sure. <laughs> but I I guess, I mean, I would recommend it, but maybe to specific people? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I really liked it. I thought it was really, really thought-provoking. It actually helped me think a lot about, like I said, my own life and the way I see certain things. Um, so I liked it. I don't know that I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, you wouldn't do it to, you wouldn't recommend it to certain people. It's true. Yeah. I think if someone asks like, Hey, I, I love sci-fi. I want something like really interesting and different then I would totally recommend the Sparrow. Um, I don't think I would recommend it to like someone who's just like, you know, I need a book to read. What would you recommend? You know, 
or if I do, I'd preface it. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you like sci-fi, if you like thought-provoking things, like, I'd have to, like, describe it adjectively <laughs> before, be like, read The Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, this book definitely requires a reread for sure. Um, Put it on your list. Yes. Well, <laughs> I probably won't read it this year. <laughs> um, we already read it this year. Yeah. But um, I will be reading it at a future time, definitely. Yep. Yeah. So, yay. Well, I'm glad everybody liked it. Um, this was a fantastic discussion. I wish, you know, always is longer. <laughs> um, but let's uh, go on to our next book, which is The Last Black Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. Um, I have no idea who she is. But her book just came out, and it's essays on kind of the stuff she's went through in her life. So, yeah. We shall see. It's definitely shorter than The Sparrow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To talk about this book and all of the other books we've talked about, you can find us on Goodreads, and you can find show notes at the eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 47. Um, guys, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy under Duri Kaicho, R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Meredith? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Litzy, Goodreads, Twitter at Mare the Book Gal. That's M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. You can find me on Goodreads and Litzy at JMT Rivera. That's R-I-V-E-R-A. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette, D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because that will help other book people find us and have wonderful, thought-provoking discussions with us. I think that's it, guys. So let's show this until next month. Bye. 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 Um, so we read The Sparrow by Maria Doria Ru- Maria. Maria oh, it's, Doria or is it Russell. Mary? I can't remember now. Is it Mary um, or Maria? Mary. Mary. Mary Sorry. Doria Russell. Yeah, Mary. Just... Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, that was my bad. <laughs> That's okay. Guess what we can it's do? Early. We can edit this part out. <laughs> there. We'll put it that way. There we go. We got it. Oh, hold on a second. Let me put in the timestamp here. (laughs) There we go.